0: Welcome to the Che and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education.
1: Welcome to the Staff Room with Che and Pav. You are joining us today for episode 19. And today we're going to be talking about textbooks and how they can be potentially used effectively in the classroom and maybe what are some of the problems with textbooks in the classroom and when do we know it's time to let go of the textbook. Um, But before we get into that, let's let's introduce ourselves. I know it's a very gripping topic, um, but my name is Pav and uh, I also answer to the name Wonder Woman. If you've listened to interlude 19, I also answer to a bunch of other names as well. Sitting to my right is he who shall be named Jim Guy, also known as Che, and I will let him introduce himself.
2: Vaughn into the windup, just a bit outside. He tried the corner, missed ball four, ball eight and Vaughn has walked the bases loaded on 12 consecutive pitches. I don't know how these batters lay off pitches so close, but you can count on the staff room throwing nothing but strikes. And welcome to our podcast and our topic this week on textbooks. And we're excited to talk about it because textbooks tends to come up all the time in our staff meetings when we're trying to talk about resources, what to use, how do we use them. And it tends to be a topic that Really fires people up. That's right. But before we get into that, was was that a reference
1: from a league of their own? Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. You're getting really good at this game. It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that was correct. Uh, somebody online will <laughs> correct me You've down already the had line. Three
2: nasty tweets and seven unfollows <laughs> in the span of time that you made that wonderful guess.
1: Yeah. Well, that was my attempt to be funny, so <laughs> we know who the funny one is here. Um, anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand. Yes, we're talking about textbooks. Um, we all have them in our classrooms. We all tr- have used them in the past. I don't know how many people are still really uh, using textbooks on a daily basis. Um, I know when I started teaching, I was very heavily reliant on textbooks, but I think over the the past... Um, Ten years, fifteen years or so, maybe even less time than that. people have uh, there there's been a trend towards you know moving away from the textbook. Um, they are very expensive, and we'll we'll talk about, you know some of the problems with textbooks in just a moment. Um, and we'll talk about the effective uses. And you know when we have textbooks available to us, how can we use them? What can we do with them in the classroom to make them a little bit more um, relevant, more useful? And, uh, and then, you know, at, in, in the very end, when is it time to say, okay, you know what, this resource is not helpful to me anymore, and it's time to part ways with it. So um, we'll get into that in, in just a moment. Now, do you, Che, I know you teach language arts. I um, seldom
2: I seldom teach? Seldom teach. Seldom. It's, it's just... Just, you know, if I have to. It's, it's, if an administrator is walking by, if you hear those heels clicking down the hallway, like yeah. I quickly, I jump, yep. find a textbook, open up the appropriate page, <laughs> and then where we go, kiddies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. But, you know, do you use do you use textbooks in your you, classroom? You know what,
2: Pav, I'll back us up just yeah. a little bit because I think we, we're we all really aware of the swing away from textbooks. And there's so many available resources. Technology has really spurred that on. Uh, initiatives have really spurred switching mm-hmm. away from textbooks that I think one of the points we want to get to is that textbooks do have a place. They do have some effectiveness. And I think a lot of teachers, when I think to our meetings, I think teachers are reluctant to talk about using textbooks, because they don't want to be in public, say they're using textbooks. There's such judgment that can that can happen in staff meetings and in the educational field that teachers aren't necessarily comfortable saying, I am using a textbook. This is how I'm using a textbook. And so it's, you know, to reference Sherlock, I'll tell you the reference before we, you know, dive in. Start guessing. The new sexy is to say, I'm not using a textbook. Yeah. And I think I think we want to get to is that we want educators and teachers to be comfortable enough to say, I am using a textbook. There is a place for a textbook. I can facilitate it here. I can use it to amplify something here. I can use it to supplement something here. Textbooks inherently do have value. You know, you hear in in some meetings, oh, you know, people are just trying to make money. They're just selling their, their books. Which is probably true, but they're not selling you some 1982 used car and trying to tell you that it's only got 40,000 clicks and it's going to run for 10 years. They're actually backed by people that do know what they're doing with degrees and subject matter expertise. They are maybe someone's making money along the way, but the quality of a textbook is rich in quality. There's lots of value in in, in those textbooks. Certainly, we'll discuss in context where a textbook can have value, a new textbook, an old textbook, where we would use it. But certainly I think what we wanted to get to is that a textbook does have a place, does have value, and we want teachers to be able to articulate and be comfortable enough to say, I'm going to use a textbook to facilitate quality learning here and now, and this is how.
1: Right. I agree. Um, definitely, there has become uh, somewhat of a stigma attached to the use of a textbook in the classroom. Not sure when it happened. Um, but you know it, it surely is a little bit of a trend that has stemmed from increased use of or increased availability of, of uh, technological resources that are out there, there are so many different websites that are available. You know that are that are teaching and learning websites. Um, many of them are free. YouTube itself has become a, a giant resource for information, especially when it comes to things like like math and science. Um, you know, there's people out there that are making videos on how to solve tutoring videos on how to solve particular math problems and. And so the availability of those resources sort of started this pattern of well you don't need a textbook why are we paying for textbooks when there's so many other resources available to you but you know as as we mentioned already there there are different there are places where textbooks can be used now when i started teaching i was heavily reliant on my math textbook as and and i know that this is something that is still happening with many teachers where you know every day is a new lesson and you start on page 1 and you finish on page 325 at the end of the year and your goal is to get through that textbook and teach every lesson that's in there the exact way that it was written i'm sure that textbook was written with that in mind you know the the writers of those tex- those textbooks really put a lot of thought as you said into the way that those lessons are designed try to make the questions as, as culturally relevant, as time sensitive as, as they possibly can, relevant to the time period. And, um, and, and they want that textbook to be used in that way. However, students don't learn all the same way as we've talked about before. We need to differentiate the way that they learn, the way that we teach them. And so just using the textbook is not going to be an effective way to reach every student in the class. There might be a few students that that respond really well to textbook teaching, um, but then others are just going to tune right out and they are not going to learn from that textbook very well. So um, you're absolutely right. There are different ways that students can definitely use the textbook. Teachers can use the textbook in their classroom, pull parts out of there, use them, you know, use pieces from there. I really like some of the three part lessons that math textbooks have. And I do still pull them out of there. You know, there's a particular lesson that I think works really well with a pre-lesson, the actual teaching part, and then a little post-exercise. I like it. And so why not use it? Use those ideas that are in the textbooks to springboard and launch into different topic areas for your, for your lessons and projects and assignments.
2: I, I like exactly what you're saying. Uh, even piggybacking on what you say, even the prompts it gives you available when it talks about those math pre lessons or those uh, mini lessons before, it gives you prompts, valuable prompts It really spur on some some great discussion with students. So the idea that a textbook is solely just you know a photocopy, a black line master, uh, busy work for kids, I think is is just not that true. If you do take time reading beyond just. Question one through 12, the textbooks do give you lots of ways of diving into material, and it does try to offer you differentiation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just make you say, read the textbook and go. Um, I think our textbooks really do work to try to be very current, very valuable. Certainly, they will become less Current, certainly in other subject matters, right? And I think you want to talk about this later. We're talking now strictly, or not strictly, but mostly the examples are given. We're talking about math. We're talking about sciences. Where some of the principles and values, they're not necessarily going to change. What does have to change in those is cultural relevances um, to making sure we're really tapping into all our students. Those things become important. But the core values tend to still hold true now as they did before. So they have a great place in our way of teaching and trying to spur on learning. But I know you want to talk about some of our limitations. Absolutely. Because uh, as much as what we're trying to say is that the textbook has value, understanding it has value is, one, knowing where it has value, but also recognizing where it has some weaknesses. So I know you being the science and math, I know when I teach English, I don't rely solely on a textbook per se. I do rely mostly on my read aloud to generate writing prompts and I do construct a lot of my own prompts when you're trying to come application and context and text to text and text to world connections. But certainly in the math and sciences where I know you teach more, why don't you talk a little bit about sort of one, the strengths and maybe a little bit about some problems with textbooks. Right. So the
1: strengths I've sort of talked a little bit about the um you know, the, the three part lesson in math, a lot of the principles in science, as you mentioned, are going to stay the same. Of course, there are things that change with uh, with new scientific revelations. So, so we do have to stay current, but many of the principles are going to stay the same. And so it, is, it does make for good foundational reading. And, you know, we, we generally start by learning how to use a textbook because a lot of students are, are becoming unaware of how textbooks are, are, are even used um, or, you know, just to even go off of textbooks themselves, but scientific journals and other uh, forms of print that students may not be so aware of because, you know, Captain Google is available for everybody to use to find their information. So um, that tends to be the first place where students go. So teaching teaching students how to use print materi- materials is still important. So we do still use a lot of textbooks um, as available resources in the classroom. And the way that we've set up our classes now is... Here is your room. This room belongs to you. Everything that's in this room belongs to you. So if you need to pick up a textbook to find something, something to help you develop whatever it is that you're working on, use it. We've learned how to use the textbooks. We've learned the different parts of the textbooks. Um, and, and we have learned that they contain this foundational information in them. So we're going to use them. And even in terms of um, history, history, you know, those those are the textbooks that seem to um, be the ones that become outdated the, the the fastest. However, there are still valuable lessons that can be learned from from these types of textbooks. You know, learning about bias and learning about how history changes based on perception and uh, looking at two sides of a story.
2: Becomes, these are things. It becomes a great way of then learning how to. Uh, evaluate stuff on the internet where kids Absolutely. can so blindly just assume is real and we have to spend so much time Coaching them to sort of see the discrepancies or how they're not legit. Certainly, our history textbook they do have value, but they have value for the, all the opposite reasons of right. sort of your math exactly. and your science textbooks. They have value in the fact that they are slanted. They do uh, miss. They do have cultural biases that are really good learning points for our students. This
1: is this is the critical thinking aspect, right? The critical thinking, the media literacy. These are all things that become embedded with learning um, and through te- uh, through textbooks. It's such an easy way to touch on so, so many of these things that students have heard of. Like, what is critical thinking? What what do we need to be aware of when it comes to media literacy? Perfect ways to springboard out of there.
2: I've been using textbooks in 1976 and I'm not about to change nothing. It's, I think it's good to be comfortable with the idea that we can use textbooks in our classroom. It's good to to realize you use so many good buzzwords. It's foundational learning, especially in our math and our sciences. And then when we have something like history textbook, they can become outdated. They can become culturally irrelevant. They can become almost uh, enhanced systemic biases, systemic inequalities by perceptions they give, the stories they tell. Certainly, history is always uh, been under this sort of scrutiny. History is either told through the movement of peoples, the movement of places, the movement of time, the movement of of biography. There's all kinds of different lenses to teach your history from.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that that idea that you can always sort of analyze history that way has always been in place. But certainly, when we think of our textbooks now, for sure, that's what we can do with those history textbooks. It's a great starting point for students to really think critically of resources, the story they're telling, the perspective, the perspectives that are being told. And so if I wrap where we're trying to get back up to, it's the whole idea that textbook does have value and you don't need to be intimidated to think that you can't say you want a textbook or that the textbook doesn't have good, meaningful lessons there to be generated. It's there, it's available. And ultimately, this all is in context. What does resources does your school have? We talk a lot about these online resources, these great YouTube, and there are so many great resources beyond just YouTube. Um, but not when we talk about equitable access, this becomes problematic. It's tough to maintain. So as much as technology is real available, it's, it's not even for me to know what's going on down the school down the street, or the school a, a province away. I know my classroom, access technology is decent But it's it's decent. I couldn't facilitate a week's long of math learning solely on the Internet and Chromebooks and technology. I wouldn't have enough access to technology to facilitate it. And I couldn't rely on students bringing their own in devices to facilitate it.
1: Right. And that's what I was going to touch on next is, uh, you know, online textbooks have become um, much more popular. The textbook companies are now uh, these publishers are looking at you know publishing their their textbooks online and selling you know the um, the licenses to schools for them to use online but we have a bunch of students that are coming into school who don't have access when they go home so the equitable you know sharing of these resources is is not going to be there and we're not we, we can't rely on um, on technology. On being available for students so I mean it's it, textbooks are expensive school boards don't want to pay for them schools don't want to pay for them because you know it's up to the teachers to find resources from other sources or other places and and in one sense that's true I mean we are very trained individuals and we have the ability to find resources in other places but um, you know in some ways textbooks are useful for students because they don't have the access when they go home to To find those other means and to look at other mediums for for getting their information. So yeah, definitely some downfalls with regards to textbooks, as well as you know up up points as well.
2: Everything comes in context. They tell me. <laughs> do they? <laughs> yeah, they do. They do.
1: Okay. So um, I think it might be time for our three enlightened minutes. What do you think?
2: It sounds about right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the bases are loaded. Uh, pitchers not throwing exactly darts like we got to go out there and make a switch we got Madonna mix.
1: Madonna's about to
2: <laughs> this show is about to become a show of your own if you keep this up
1: yeah that's true.
2: let's dive right into our three enlightened minutes guests for this week
1: right so today we have uh, Melissa Wright she is a high school math teacher from Quispamsis New Brunswick and she is going to talk to us today about school culture and climate so Melissa Wright Go ahead with your three enlightened minutes.
3: Hi, my name is Melissa Wright, and these are my three enlightened minutes. I'm a high school math teacher at kenneby Valley High School in Quispamsis, New Brunswick. I also teach a local option course of Dance 11, which is a ton of fun, teaching all those kids different dance styles. And I also teach dance in the community that uh, I teach school in. Uh, my topic today that I wanted to talk about is uh, school culture and climate and making staff and students feel valued and that they matter in your building. Everybody that's in your building should feel like they have a place because they do. They matter. They are part of your school's story. They are part of all the amazing things that are going on in your building. Um, every kid that we get in our classrooms are going to be different, and they all come from different walks of life. But you know what? It's all those different pieces put together that make your school what it is, that make all those amazing things that happen every single day what it is, that make our careers as teachers exciting and gives us lasting memories that we have with our students. Um, I've been working on school culture and climate in my school for the past 14 years, and it's something that as a teacher, you can see transform over time, but giving students as well the opportunity, the input to be involved in that, to help them transform the school culture and climate is so important as well. Um, We have a team of students, a renaissance team at our school that helps to work towards this. And for them to see the value and the difference that they're making in their fellow students' lives by some of the things that we do is just phenomenal. Um, Just as an example, one of the things that we do is called the Crusader Champion Celebration, because at Canaba Cases Valley High School, our mascot is the Crusaders. And this ceremony is to recognize uh, students that have made an improvement in multiple areas, such as attendance, um, behavior, and or academics. And students are nominated to go to this ceremony by teachers. And it can be from first or second semester. We don't hold it until May, but it can be from any point in time in the school year. And the kids, when they come, they're invited, they receive an invitation through their uh, homeroom class and they don't know what they're going for. It just says, come to the mini gym on this date and time as you're being celebrated as being a Crusader champion. And when they get there, they find out that one of their teachers has nominated them to be there for making an improvement as well. We also invite encourage teachers to nominate students that have worked very hard or are making an improvement but maybe you know they're that kid they contribute positively to the classroom but they get like a solid 75 but for them that's awesome we want those kids there those are the type of kids we want to recognize the kids that are doing the right thing the kids are doing the good thing Um, we want to celebrate them and so when they come to the ceremony they get free lunch there's prizes Um, we also take an opportunity to recognize our sponsors but you know the impact that this has on kids is just amazing. One year, one of the first years we did this, I was standing at the t-shirt table um, to tell kids where the sizes were. And this kid came and I said, you know, here's a size, small, medium, large, extra large, took his t-shirt, thank you, walked to the end of the table and stopped. And when he stopped and he just kind of said, looking down at his shirt, he said, you know, I didn't even think anybody knew I was here. To hear him say those words meant, you know, to me by us recognizing him with a slice of pizza and a t-shirt that to make him feel that he's part of the school community, we're doing something good. Nobody in our building should feel like anybody knows that they're that they're not there. Everybody should feel like somebody when they walk into your school. And schools are a place that students should come to have fun, to make memories, and that they feel welcome and that they feel like they belong. So if we can keep working towards that in all our schools, that would be amazing. We've been working on it, like I said, for the past 14 years at KVHS. And the opportunities it provides for our students to be leaders as well and the building and help transform that is just, is just amazing. Uh, thank you so much for letting me share what I love to do. And back to you, Jay and Pav.
2: And that was three enlightened minutes with Melissa. And I love talking about school culture. Always one of my favorite topics. But now I want to get into my next favorite topic, textbooks, because textbooks are really exciting. I want to talk about textbooks. I have a really fun anecdotal story uh, to wrap this episode up about textbooks. Actually, no. No. No, I don't. <laughs> Pat, you got to save me because we talk about textbooks. I don't know if I got any sort of fun anecdotal stories when it comes to textbooks.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, in some subject areas, textbooks are a little bit more widely used than others. I can't say that I've ever really seen a language arts textbook. I mean, I've seen them, but I've never seen anyone actually really, really use language arts textbooks because language arts is everywhere, right? Like you need to be able to read and write all kinds of different things and you can pull that kind of material in from everywhere. So I don't know, maybe, maybe us, the two of us have just really not used the textbooks in, in language arts as much, but, um, but math and science, yes, textbooks are big and math, especially, Um, I can't say that I don't use a textbook, I do use a textbook in the classroom, not every day, not for every lesson, not for everything that we do in the class, we still really like to use all the other resources we have in the room, we do a lot more group activities, um, a lot more partnered learning, a lot more, um, you know, learning uh, involving things around in our environment. Um, but in science, now, I've mentioned before that i I inherited the science lab as my classroom uh, two years ago. And when I first moved in, i I had to, you know go through a big, huge purge of the room. And one of the the areas that I needed to purge were a lot of the the textbook resources in the classroom. They were just so dated and collecting dust that in so many of those cases, I just, I I didn't even feel like opening them up to use them. I mean, they were just, they were so old. And, and not only that, a lot of the resources, a lot of the materials that you needed to, you know, do some of those science experiments, we just didn't have access to anymore. And so a lot of it was just, very dated and I didn't have enough equipment to adequately be able to put those those resources into place. And it wasn't so much, you know, like we spent as much money as we did on buying those resources in the very beginning. But in order for you to really put them into effective use, you have to continually buy the consumable resources that go with conducting those experiments and activities and so many of them you just you just can never get to so the resources themselves they just weren't as relevant they weren't as useful as I would have liked them to be and so I decided you know these are some some resources some things that I think I'm going to part ways with and I'm going to get rid of and I don't think I'm going to use them and I haven't thought twice about it I mean there's still lots of stuff in the room that I can turn to a lot of great textbooks that have great foundational principles and foundational learning in them that we do actually turn to in science. Um, And then I just decided to get rid of the stuff that I I didn't feel was going to be useful for us anymore. And, you know, that purge is part of the process when it comes to textbooks. What do you feel has really lost its relevancy and isn't going to be useful for you anymore as a teacher? Um, You don't think that others might benefit from it either. There isn't much left in there to use. And, you know, as much as I dislike throwing away books or getting rid of books, um, I just felt like it was
2: time. And you took plenty of joy in watching me go up and down the stairs <laughs> with those boxes of books. We will not be purging your science room ever again. <laughs> it was a good workout though. Oh, I got so many steps in that That's day. That's right. <laughs> Um, this was a, an episode that we really were brought on and inspired by conversations and staff meetings, and we have initiatives and this whole talk of textbooks. And really we wanted to dive into this, not so much to take a hard stand on either side of the issue, but to sort of connect with teachers and give teachers sort of uh, the backbone to say, it's okay to use a textbook in my room. It's not the be all end all of my program, but you use two great words, springboard and amplify. And there's value in our textbooks. And we talked a little bit about context. Whether it be our science and math might be foundation. And we talk about maybe older history texts. There's learning to be done in that history text. And so we don't want to just necessarily feel that we have to say, oh, no more textbooks, no more textbooks. There's value in our textbooks. And ultimately Us as teachers being highly skilled, highly trained, and really in tune with our students know when and how to use them to maximize the learning. And so we wanted to be comfortable saying it's okay to use a textbook, this is why I'm using it here. This is why I'm using it there. And you gave great words, springboarding, amplifying, foundational research, which were just great starting points. And ultimately, we talked about a lot of the other issues. Every school is going to be different. Where's your community? What's your access? What are what are the dollars coming into your school? Is technology available? Can you use online textbooks and know your kids have access to everything all the time? And these everything's always in context. And we just talk about our experiences in our school, which is a great school, and, and it offers all kinds of other things, but we can't rely solely on technology to facilitate us all the time. It's just not feasible, just not manageable. And that's where I ended up today. Mm-hmm. Textbooks can be used. They do have value. Don't feel you have to say no textbooks because it's the new sexy.
1: Exactly. And so uh, that's our episode for today. And hopefully you guys uh, got a little bit out of that from us, you know, a little bit of the conversation and discussion and, you know, have some things to think about when it comes to textbooks. This is the case for us in our school and our family of schools and sort of the narrative that's happening with regards to textbooks around here. I mean, schools just don't want to invest the $75 a textbook that, that the price tag is just so students can use them for a couple of years and and then you know they get lost they get misplaced and and it's a big expense and we understand that but now you know with regards to teaching making our teaching as culturally culturally more relevant than it ever has been before we we have been able to Pull other resources into the mix and make our learning a little bit more deeper and uh, more valuable for our students and more meaningful. So, um, you know, there's a place for textbooks as you say, Che, and and there's a place for using other things as well. So,
2: textbooks. Episode. Textbooks are really exciting. Well, you got some homework to do when we wrap this up. You got to figure out some '90s cultural references <laughs> and you got to start watching the baseball movies immediately. <laughs> Remember to always be a humble servant. Inspire don't require, and education never dies.
0: You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav, written, performed, and produced by Che Chaney and Pav Wander in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.